0: This is episode 134 of the Relate Podcast on how to make sense with singer-songwriter Evan Cromit. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life, meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness it's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds worlds change when eyes meet so let's sit down and relate i am your host patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of relate we have a great guest joining us on today's episode it is my good friend evan cromit And Evan is a singer-songwriter, he is an actor, he is a music producer who was born and raised in Hell's Kitchen, New York City, and he is putting out some amazing music that I highly recommend all of you checking out. He has just released his EP – Craving Compassion, or Maybe Just a Bacon, Egg, and Cheese, which is an amazing title for an EP. And there are some great tunes on there that I highly recommend checking out, one of which will be featured at the end of this podcast episode, so be sure to tune in until the end. In this episode of Relate, Evan and I really go deep and not only talk about his career as a musician what it was like growing up in an artistic incubator, but we also talk about why it's important to be very personal in the work that you create, very personal to yourself, and how this affects our audiences in a very positive way. We also discuss why it's important to be more compassionate, how we can use music as a processing tool, and why it's so important to remain gentle in our crazy world today. Evan also has an amazing answer to my final question of how do we as a society relate to one another that I definitely recommend listening to The End for. If you like this episode, please head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to to get your feedback. Also, if you're interested, you can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. So, with all of that said, let me please introduce my good friend, Evan Croman. hello everyone welcome back to the relate podcast today we have evan cromit joining us evan thanks so much for being on the show thank you pat
1: i, I i've been waiting for this day
0: for a long time I'm very happy to be here <laughs> the 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 pinnacle right exactly. <laughs> uh I'm, I'm very excited to have you here evan for all you listeners out there who may not be familiar with evan we had the opportunity to be in a production together last year, I believe. It was last summer. Seems like such a long time now, <laughs> given the year that 2020 has been. But, uh, you know, in, in addition to not only being a great actor, I, I had the privilege to act with him in this show and also play some music. Evan is also a very talented singer-songwriter and just overall artist. And I'm very excited to to have you here and to really dive into specific more most specifically your your music career and you just released this ep that has some incredible music that i'll encourage all of our listeners to get but really before i guess diving into the depths of of music i'm wondering if you could just start off by sharing with our listeners a little bit about yourself maybe where are you from and what led you to pursuing music sure
1: so i am from hell's kitchen new york city um which is much less hellish these days but uh back when i was a kid kind of lived up to that expectation lived up to that name um and my parents are both musicians my parents are both actors and i also grew up in a community of actors and artists called manhattan plaza um and that that building, well, that plaza, it's two, two buildings was part of kind of an effort to make the, this part of the city, make Hell's Kitchen, uh, a better place, right? Uh, cause it was, you know, it was, it was sex shops and it was, uh, it druggies running around. And so that whole community came into existence, uh, shortly before I came into existence. And I only go into detail about all that because I feel like that was such a big part of what created me, like what, what made me the person I am, is growing up, yes, around an immediate family of artists, but also within a community of, of artists. You know, Everyone in the elevator was a musician or an actor. You'd seen them on Law & Order or something like that. Um, and I think all of that just led me to the conclusion that it was very viable that uh that being a singer songwriter being an actor whatever was actually a doable thing it wasn't a sort of far off possibility so that that emboldened me in combination with my parents kind of more directly emboldening me by saying yeah this is what we do we make a living as actors you know my mom was in she was in secret garden and the tour of secret garden and and that was sort of the environment around me as a kid i was like yeah you know what I i could probably do that i didn't have any of this sort of like probably healthy skepticism around that career choice.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So you were growing up in this very artistic atmosphere and yeah, there's probably a, a lot of people are, I know there's a lot of people out there who look at the goal of becoming a working actor or a musician, perhaps a dancer, and they see that as really not feasible, not really realistic, right. but I, yeah, from what it sounds like, with you growing up in this artistic community, you were surrounded by adult artists all the time. Yeah, for,
1: well, not adult artists in that way, but yeah, certainly uh, <laughs> grown up.
0: Um,
1: yeah, it, it was sort of like an incubator, um, and I, I took it for granted in many ways because it was all I knew. But I, you know, as I sort of grew up and moved moved around the world, I met a bunch of artists who had chosen to pursue their, their craft, despite, you know, the protestations of their, their family, everyone in their life was telling them don't do that, you know, be a stockbroker or something like that. And I, in some ways have more respect for those people because, you know, I I felt like, Oh, of course I can do this. And, and and I just, I just did it. Um, But of course there's, you know, a special kind of uh, special kind of, fortitude that it takes if people around you are not kind of actively endorsing it. So I do have a lot of respect for those people too.
0: Yeah, well, it's amazing as we grow and develop and kind of figure out what our path is going to be. And of course, this always evolves over time. It always changes gears. And so was it from a very young age that you knew that you wanted to be a musician, an actor, an artist of some kind? Or was it not until, I guess, in your later years, whether it be college or your early 20s, that you started to figure this out? So my memories
1: of being... Well, also, I say my memories, but also like your your family always kind of fills in your memories for you, especially I'm I'm the younger sibling, I'm the youngest. And I just feel like I'm I'm often kind of told stories about who I was as a kid. Um, But I think I remember this too, that whenever we were on road trips, whenever we would had we had a cabin in the Poconos, like a crappy little A-frame we'd drive up to in the Poconos, like a two and a half hour drive. And I just remember the only way that I felt like I could kind of occupy my brain on the way up there was by making up these little songs. And this would have been, you know, I'm, I'm four or five, six, I'm like a kid kid. And so I'd look out the window and I would... I would sort of songify everything that I saw. Um, you know, I, I saw trees whipping past or birds. I like, go, oh, and the birds and the trees and the every little thing and the leaves <laughs> on the di- and I do that incessantly. I mean, the reason it comes back up in conversation is because it drove my sister crazy. I mean, she to this day will sort of talk about how how god awful it was to be sitting in the car next to me with me kind of carrying on this <laughs> this meaningless tune. Um but it, it just sort of was how I would would occupy all of the kind of busyness of my brain was by putting it to rhythm and, and kind of making it all songs. So that was kind of the first tip off that it was something that I I wanted to do was that everything, you know, I would make, I would take my pencils or my crayons and kind of uh, beat them on stuff. Um, and then the other thing was, I, I just remember feeling, Pat, that I, and this goes into sort of elementary school. Throughout elementary school, throughout those those grade grade school days, I remember feeling that I I was very confused on sort of how I fit into the people around me. I felt as if I was somehow too much of something or too little of something else. That I I was too curious about certain things, too curious about sort of wanting to understand the the why behind everything. Um, and then I. Was cast in in Little Shop of Horrors in fifth grade. I was Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, and and that was very exciting to me because it felt like oh, I get to be like my parents, right? I get to be on the big stage like my mom and dad and my sister. had, had actually been Maria in her like fifth grade production in um, in uh, West Side Story, and so I remember having this this really distinct feeling through rehearsals and then particularly kind of during the performance. Of oh, I, I make sense now, right? Like I, I, I kind of understand how I fit into this world. Uh, all of these w- weird quirks and and idiosyncrasies that I have suddenly seem to have a place. That sort of that desire to understand the why of everything and to sort of like peel back the surface of everything and 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 bring out parts of myself that I had previously kept hidden. It all just kind of seemed to come together. And I was like, Oh, okay, this is why I'm like this.
0: I love how you said that too. figuring out how you make sense, because I think that I've never heard it phrased that way, but I think that's such a great way to put it is that as we're journeying through life, whether we're young or old, we're figuring out, okay, how do we make sense in the world? And I think that's just a really cool way of figuring out, okay, what is our, purpose what are we bringing to the world what are we bringing to society and it's really cool to to hear phrased in the way of okay how how do i as a person make sense in the this greater picture sure yeah i mean
2: you you,
1: you, i don't want to be overly logical and be like oh it's a rational practical thing that i did this more i guess in a philosophical existential kind of way like What makes sense? Uh, The sunset makes sense in an existential way. And the way everyone else is acting around me seems to make sense. And I, I needed to figure that out too. Um, Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you like the expression. It's kind of what I've landed on, but it, it, it doesn't quite cover, I guess what I, what I, I'm always trying to explain, but maybe it's just an inexplicable thing.
0: Right, right. Well, I think I think we come up against this all the time, especially when we're talking about the arts and creativity. Is that in a lot of ways it's really this intangibleness that is oftentimes very dis- difficult to grasp. But I think mm-hmm. that, as, as you say, how you make sense of yourself is is a really powerful way to put it. And I think that in a lot of ways we in life things that we have a hard time comprehending i -hmm. think that music is a great way to translate those emotions Mm -hmm. and those feelings so with with that said i'm wondering as you've grown as a musician and artist what really inspires you to create songs Hmm.
1: yeah so i think that that question can function as a good transition into like the next chapter of the 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 autobiography that I'm like churning out here. Uh, <laughs> so obviously all of that, what I was saying before, like laid the groundwork for me to want to pursue this thing further, to, to kind of, to follow that search for the, whatever that, that inexplicable kind of beauty was that I was after that, that feeling of sensibleness, um, kind of special sensibleness and so I, I I followed my nose and I went to uh, a performing arts high school. I went to PPIS, which is uh, you know also in Midtown, a Midtown high school, which is you know in an ongoing heated debate with Laguardia about what is technically the basis for the fame school. Of course, I'm going to say it's PPIS, but that's the second one. So I was there pursuing acting, doing shows and stuff like that, and at the same time. I uh, I was processing the dissolution of my parents' marriage. Um, they were kind of really fighting to stay together, starting around that point from middle school into high school for me. And there was obviously some friction around the household. There was there was tension, and um, and there was just the built-in tension of adolescence, and sort of me just all of those 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 quirks and sort of strangeness strangenesses. All of those things that I'd felt earlier took on a, that, a special kind of, um, of, of potency in adolescence. And I just felt, again, like I needed some way to figure out how I made sense. And so I really took to uh, guitar at that point. My dad played classical guitar. He played Spanish guitar in a band, and so he taught me the basics. And then I picked it up myself and it felt like a, a, a perfect kind of processing tool for me to understand everything that was going on around me. I, my memories are of, you know, my parents were you know, uh, arguing about something. I, I don't mean to say it was like a super contentious marriage in general, but it had a, its ups and downs. And I remember if there were downs, you know, I imagine there my mom's trying to cook dinner and they're kind of in a heated debate. And I would just remove myself to my room and pick up my guitar and just start plunking around and, you know, taking some of the, the the random scattered maybe anxiety inducing thoughts in my head and try to stitch them together into a song um and so again i found myself as i was in the back of the car at like a at 5 years old or whatever just taking the details of my life around me and kind of trying to sew them together and then i couldn't stop you know then i every single thought or big feeling that i had that i felt like i couldn't really take Uh, became a song and so that's become my process um you know or at least the core of my process is I try to identify the big feeling that I'm having at the back of my brain maybe it's I'm lovesick or I am excited about uh you know a new friend or something or I'm feeling some stress about the political situation of America you know which obviously uh you know, somewhat relevant to the moment that we're recording this. Yes. And 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 try to sort of figure out what the feeling is at the core of that and 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 put it into a song. So I'll sit there with a the guitar and usually some some combination of words will pop into my head and sometimes it'll even have a melody with it. Um let me look at, for example, like a couple of the songs off the EP, I think were were born that way. Um, I believe it was B- Boys and Girls in Hell's Kitchen is one of the tracks off the EP. And I remember just walking around in Midtown in Hell's Kitchen and having a kind of unsettled, uneasy feeling. And I, I could talk about this more later about that specific song. But it was after a party where I just felt like all of the people in the room, had, I was on a very ca- like Holden Caulfield move mood I felt like everyone had been kind of being phonies or something or like the boys and the girls in the in the room were acting apart and I was just wandering around in midtown and I, I just thought like the words just appeared in my mind like boys 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 are out here and, and then that was it I could I could use that line use that melody to kind of lead me into what the rest of the song was going to be because the sentiment was all there in that first line
0: It really is amazing. I always love hearing musicians and singer-songwriters talk about the origin of their music and what it grows into and what it develops. And I think something that really draws me to your music is that you really put your humanity in it and yourself. And it's like very, and as it should be, it's very authentically you, and i think what what's great about it is that there are songs that are are very emotionally deep that really strike a chord but i also love how there are songs that you put humor in as well <laughs> and you you have this this uh, uh, amazing balance and i think that in a lot of ways it's those singer and songwriters who really put themselves into their songs that then create songs and music that resonates well with others so with all of that said i'm wondering uh, how do you believe music allows us to connect to humanity to connect not only to ourselves but to our fellow human beings
1: Hmm. yeah another really good question um can you hear that train in the background?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's good. It, it provides some great uh, uh, ambiance. <laughs> yeah, for 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 the New York City atmosphere. Like,
1: oh yeah, he actually is in New York. He wasn't. He didn't make this up. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's funny you mentioned comedy because I feel like I I feel like I'm I'm trying to borrow a lot of what comedians do. I was actually really interested in. In comedy, in in college, and started a, a comedy group. Actually, started like an improv and sketch group there because it just felt like something I I wanted to do as an actor and as a creative person. I feel like there's an, an immediacy to comedy that uh, is a really useful tool in kind of all art forms. But anyway, what I what I really notice and appreciate about appreciate about comedians is their their ability to kind of slip secret messages through the cracks of their act, right? So they could be they could be talking about something really controversial, um, or they could be talking about something that they know is in complete opposition to the opinion of the crowd that they're performing in front of. But if they if they deliver their joke you know, in intelligently enough and they kind of craft it effectively enough and get laughs at all the key moments, they have then managed to pass along that idea to the audience in this sort of sneaky way. You know, and uh right. I, like I see a lot of comedians do that. And I, it was something I wanted to to do with my music, I think. I, I think I it started unconsciously and then I realized it was something I was doing and I I realized that way I wanted to make it part of the process. But this idea of, I, I have these beliefs. I have these beliefs that we should all be more compassionate. Or I have these beliefs that, as a man, you, you should try to work to make yourself more soft and vulnerable, despite what society says. And how do I, how do I share that message without sounding preachy or didactic, right? I could go online and make a blog about how important it is to be, you know, to be fighting for Black Lives Matter as a white ally or something like that, or be more respectful as a romantic partner to a woman if you're a man. And people might hear that. People might see that. A couple would, 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 would take it in and really feel it. But I think if people go into something feeling like, oh, I'm going to be taught or I'm going to be convinced out of the thing that I believe then they automatically raise their hackles. They sort of put up that barrier. And so music like comedy, I think offers this opportunity to slip it in, right. Kind of spike the spike, the T as it were. And so I can get across some of these messages in a way that feels like really honest to what I want to be singing about anyway, and people will hear it and pick up on it and receive it. And maybe not even have the opportunity to kind of, uh, kind of
0: uh, put a barrier up to it. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I could definitely relate to this as well, that you're, you're creating something that, yes, has a message, and sometimes that message may be a little bit more hidden than maybe in some other songs, but you're putting it out there for the world and then letting the world dissect it in their own way or to interpret it in their own way. And yes it it, it really uh, does this amazing job of one not being preachy putting a message out there but not ramming it down people's throats yeah. but then also in addition to that it's almost creating something that is more outside of yourself and mm-hmm. saying that okay this is this is up for interpretation and in a lot of ways sometimes it even though it's like your product, your creation, a lot of people will—I I don't know if if the term is take ownership of it—but they will, in some ways, make it their own, or they will attach their own story to to the song that you've created. And I think this is a big, a big way that a lot of artists create—you know—a fan base where they have, uh, you know, their audience. They they really enjoy whether it's the music or, or the movies or or whatever it may be that 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 artist is attached to they really resonate with with that mm. so the with that said it, it kind of brings me to to another question when you're creating music do you write the music with your audience in mind when you write a song are you thinking oh okay my audience may, may like this type of song. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Or do you, re- or do you, on the flip side of that really just write a song that it just it sparks from inspiration that's around you from your own creativity, you just create it and then put it out there and then just see what happens. See what the the audience thinks about it.
1: Right. Sure. But a classic, classic dilemma. I feel like of how much are you playing to the crowd? Um, well, well, first, I wanted to to speak to what you said about people constructing their own kind of uh, version of the song that they have this special relationship with. I think that's so true. And I think it's the beauty of the uh, the beauty of music that people that that a song rather can have these two lives, that it exists as this thing inside the musician's head and and then it's a almost a completely different thing it's a, like an outfit that i'm wearing as the musician and then it's a no it's a an outfit that the listeners wearing and of course it looks completely different on them you know they can slip inside it and it feels different and they find out things about it that that the musician never knew about but to answer your question i have found that and and i can't imagine i'm the first guest on this podcast to say something like this but the more that I just try to speak into existence, the words that exist in on my heart, in my heart, in my mind, in, in myself, as accurately as possible, as clearly as possible, the more wearable the song is to other people, right? So if I'm continuing that metaphor of the, the outfit, if I, if I take as much care as possible to make the song personal to me and really try to capture the exact feeling that I'm having at that moment, it is just naturally going to be accessible to the people that my music is going to find anyway. You know, I could try to make a song, I could try to make a song with pop appeal and I figured that I I can, I have a little bedroom uh, studio now and I could probably churn out a pop song. Um, And maybe it would find some mass appeal or something like that. But that's not really what I'm in this for. Um, You know, I want to find the people that wanna find me. And I want the sentiments that I'm feeling to feel relatable to the people that are having those same feelings. Um, And so, yeah, I, you know, as I put out more and more music, it becomes clearer and clearer who's listening. And so I know, for example, that there's a certain demographic of moms, right? That like the acoustic singer-songwriter kind of sweet earnest sound. And so I know that if I put out a certain type of song, then the moms are going to like it. And if I know I put out another type of song, because I cover a bunch of different genres, I do the acoustic thing, but also sometimes I'll I'll beef it up with more like hip hop or electronic production. And I know as I'm putting that out, okay, the moms may not like this one. Right, or I know if it is that electronic hip hop, okay, I know like a younger demographic of of the people that like my music um, might be more into this one, but that that comes more down to just an awareness of what genre matches what what group rather than sort of what's at the core of every song what the core, which in many ways for me is about the lyrics and sort of feeling that I try to keep as close to me as possible because I think if I try to cater. To everyone, I'm just going to end up getting lost.
0: Right. I love this. I love this so much. I think you bring up a really important point. I love what you were saying about how really the more personal you are with your creation process of creating music, creating a song, creating a piece of art, that it's then going to have a more personal impact on those who are listening to it, as opposed to creating just this, I guess, surface level pop song that maybe, yes, it has this beat that is very common throughout other pop songs that is going to appeal to some people in some way. But really, when you're looking at the the depths of music and the impact that it could have, and especially with you being a professional singer and songwriter, you you know, I'd at least assume that you're looking to have a deep impact. And so, yeah, I I love what you were saying about really the more personal that you make it to yourself, the more personal that your audience will connect to the song.
2: Mm.
0: With all of that said, I'm wondering whether it's a song from your recently released EP or whether it is a song that is, is not on the EP, I would love to hear maybe what one of your favorite songs are or one of your favorite songs is and why it would be your favorite.
1: Yeah, always a toughie. Always a toughie because I do like to, as I was saying a second ago, really span the spectrum of different genres and feels. And so, all right, so, so, so paperweight for me which is a song I put out, I guess, a little over a year ago, which is not off the EP. feels like it represents a sort of a very special moment, like a pivotal moment for me in my uh, production process. Uh, You know, I had started Bedroom Producing back in 2016, 2015 maybe. I'd put out an acoustic album at the end of college and then realized on listening back to it, wow, this doesn't sound anything like the music I, I listen to. I want to change that. Uh, and so I, I taught myself production over the following years and and it was just a lot of work uh, and it sounded not great for a while. And paperweight to me feels like it represents this uh, shift in my process of production. It had previously been about how many sounds can I kind of put together and get away with because it's just so exciting to have the, the power to do that, to stack beats on synths, on pianos, et cetera, et cetera. And then... I, I took paperweight and I said, you know what, I think what I'm missing in my production is a simplicity and a sense of restraint. When I listen to the songs that are my favorite, there's usually not that many elements. And so I I really strove for that in paperweight. And I think it was one of the first times that that, that, that concept,
0: that theory really matched with its execution. It's almost like this new chapter in your music career and especially your music production career.
1: That's exactly it.
0: Yeah. And then it's been the touchstone
1: since then for the other songs that I've made. Uh, you know, whenever I find myself getting too caught up in the the possibilities or the decisions that need to be made for the production of any given song, I refer back to Paperweight and I remind myself, right, it, it doesn't, we don't need to make every sound, in the history of mankind, we can, you know, find find what the, the the thing is for this song, what the three or four main sounds are for this song and stick to them. Um, and then when it comes to like actual song song, like if I played all my songs on an acoustic guitar, which is usually where they're all written, I think my favorite, um, I don't even know how to talk about this whatever the essence is of the song without any production behind it. That the, my favorite essence of a song, I think, is is Boulder, um, which is on me. The- oh, so good. So good. Love that song. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I suggested another song to be played on this episode. You're, you're welcome to veto that and play Boulder if you prefer that one.
0: Oh well, I, hey! If if uh, if I don't play Boulder, then it just encourages our listeners to go check out your EP and listen to Boulder as well as all the other great songs. Yeah, we're just we're we're just
1: building up intrigue by yes yes in their faces. But yeah, that so the essence of that one feels like I was ta- talking before about really trying to express that feeling inside myself as clearly as possible, right? Not letting it get filtered through any preconceptions about what a song needs to sound like or how words need to fit together to be digestible for a listener or something like that. It feels like Boulder made it through unscathed, right? It made it through all the filters of, of insecurity or self-consciousness and it came out the other end, kind of exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, It is, it is the song about, you know, trying to remain uh, gentle and compassionate in a world that really doesn't want you to feel that way, uh, in many ways, especially as a guy and especially in New York, you know, growing up in New York, that, that was not the message I got at all. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's my favorite song with like a capital S if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really amazing. Just hearing, I love how you were talking about if you were to, trace back all the songs down to the really the beginning process of really strumming it out on a guitar and really stripping it uh, of um, of everything else and getting down to the essence of the song mm-hmm. and figuring out, okay, what is it about it? I, I really love how you were describing that. And I think that that is what's so central to being an artist is really, you know, as, as great as you know all the the spectacle is is like starting from that little seed of okay what is the seed of the idea and then being able to to look back on it and and see how it blossoms over time and really you know with the release of this EP and then all the other music that you've released as well it it must be so cool to look back and see like all these songs like fully formed and fully mature and seeing how they developed over time from this original seed of an idea that you had.
1: Yeah, again, I can't imagine I'm the first one to use this metaphor, but I'm not a dad. I don't know if I'll be a dad anytime soon, maybe one day. But it feels like, you know, an an early glimpse of what that feeling must be like. Um, I'm having a hard time not hearing myself right now as being that sort of like, uh, cliche, uh, overly precious artist who's like, my songs are my children. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to come off like that. I don't know if I'll be able to avoid coming off like that. But it, you know, it, it, there is obviously uh, an equivalency because it starts as this little glimmer in your eye. It starts as this little just seed of an idea, and then you know, I had the seed of an idea of a song you know, one of my songs, Puzzle Pieces, Um, and I put that out, you know, I wrote that in probably 2016, 2017, put it out, and now, you know, I don't really think the thoughts that I had when I was writing puzzle pieces anymore, it's almost as if I've sort of, I've gotten that out, I've extracted it or something, and now it's its own thing, wandering through the world, and people are having their own relationships with it, and, and it's creating its own relationships with other people. And, you know, I'm reminded of the way my parents talk to me now that I'm a grown up where they go, yeah, you know, we we want to be your friends now. We we're, we're not playing that same role of parent where we're trying to uh, teach you what you need to be or construct you in the way that we we feel like would be helpful for you. We're just kind of letting you do your own thing. And, and it's funny to have been making music for a little bit now. I have these songs that are kind of pinging around in the world Creating lives of their own that I I in some ways feel sort of like not separated from in a bad way but sort of yeah uh, we are we are on separate journeys now
0: yeah it's it's very interesting. it's an interesting feeling when you create something and then it almost feels very separate from you once it's fully formed and and created and uh, w- with all of that said I'm wondering how do you stay true to yourself as as you know. In this podcast, we talk a lot about the importance of human connection and relationships, especially in our right. day and age of, of technology, where especially as an artist, it could be very easy to get caught up in the social media and the online world, all the comments, all the likes, all the sharing and, and all, everything that comes with that. So how is it that, that you stay true to yourself as an artist when it's so easy to get distracted? I think that is, I think
1: that's the hardest part of being an artist. Um, You know, it's not, it's not the the grinding or the, the late nights um, or the rejection. It's, it's through all of that. How do you, how do you live with yourself? I had a, uh, a college speaker at my um, my graduation who said a lot of things that I, I wasn't crazy about, just didn't resonate with. But there's one thing he said, uh, and he said that this college education, the liberal arts education that I got at, at uh, Bard College, he said, this is the kind of education that allows you to live with yourself over time. And I really took that to heart and I've thought a lot about ways to allow, allow myself to live with myself over time. Because I think, I think, it, again, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but the the burden of kind of just being incredibly honest can really take a toll or, or striving to really speak your mind all the time can be... A sort of exhausting thing, especially if the world around you is making you feel like that's a really weird thing to do, you're not actually supposed to let that much truth out and so i, I do a lot of things to try to make that the case to try to not let go of my my inner child I guess um, being very rambly here, I'll answer the question very straightforwardly. Um, <laughs> I try to prioritize mindfulness, you know waking up and meditating i I, uh, I try to prioritize getting those three square meals a day, um, which I struggle with, which is why the album is called "Craving Compassion," or maybe just a bacon, egg, and cheese. Because I,
0: I love that it's,
1: I, I like... <laughs> it's such a good title. Uh... <laughs> Sometimes I've just forgotten to eat, um, and more than anything, especially these days within coronavirus, I try to prioritize relationships. I think without the relationships, without the the people who love me staying close to me and me making an attempt to sort of stay close to them, I think everything just falls apart. You know, I could be in my room alone producing music for the rest of time, but the integrity of the process would be completely lost if I didn't have the people around me to grab coffee with, uh, or just lie in bed with, curled up, or cry with, or, uh, you know, get drinks with, and just, and just kind of let it out and, 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 and feel safe with those people and really invest in those relationships. That That is the backbone. That's what holds everything together. Um, and I know is incidentally also sort of the through line of this podcast. So, hey, that works out well.
0: <laughs> right. I, I couldn't agree with you more on all of that. And Evan, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show. And, and not only for taking the time, but I also really appreciate the work that you're doing as a singer-songwriter, as an actor, music producer, as an artist in general. What I really love about you and your work and you as a person is that you really do, to kind of go back what we were talking about earlier, you bring your humanity into your work and into your being as well. I think this is something that is so crucially important and why I'm so excited to have you on the show because in... The The arts, I mean, r- right now, the the arts, the entertainment industry is really going through a hard time through the pandemic in 2020. And I think sometimes, too, on on one end, it's very easy for artists to lose hope, to really mm-hmm. to get to give up in a lot of ways. And then on the other end, it's very easy for artists to become very jaded, to think that they're the kings and queens of the world. And right. really what I love about you as an artist is that you have found this amazing flow in your life to be able to create incredible works of art, to stay humble throughout the process, and to really always be authentically you. And that sh- shines through your music as well. So so thank you so much for just all the work that you're doing as, as a musician, as an actor, as an artist
1: thank you, Pat. I, I really appreciate you saying all that. I, I think it's a, a win-win because I see it as, as I work on the project of making myself, you know, a better person, I am incidentally improving the the craft, you know? So it's like, maybe people are liking the stuff I make more, but at the same time, hey, I get to now be happier with the version of myself that I am. So yes. yeah, it,
0: it, it, I feel like it
1: all works out. Everyone gets... Everyone gets something.
0: I uh, couldn't agree with you more on that. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Where can they download or get the EP or listen to your music? So, the
1: EP is available exclusively on LimeWire um, and no other place. No, that's not true. LimeWire is. <laughs> it is
0: available.
1: <laughs> your silence. I was volume. like, wait a second. <laughs>
0: I was I was yeah, just, just like, I
1: was just going uh, with you on that too. I, just... <laughs> I know, yeah, lured you along on my my falsehoods. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's streaming pretty much everywhere that you could listen to music on Spotify and Apple Music, and Title, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's buyable, it's purchasable through the iTunes Store and Amazon. Um, and uh, I also have uh, a YouTube channel on which I upload, to which I upload uh you know the original music but also covers of stuff um and sometimes just kind of like funny music impressions and and all that kind of thing. Um yeah and then I've got another single coming up. Is this a good moment to plug this kind of thing? Yes, please do. So I've got another single coming out which is it kind of functions almost like an epilogue to the 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 EP. Uh, it's called Insomniac and it tackles all of the same themes that are on the EP, um, but with a completely different kind of genre. It's got more of a, like I was talking about, an electronic hip-hop kind of feel to it. Uh, so it might, I might lose a couple of the moms, a couple of the mom <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. So that's what's coming up. And then also potentially a music video for the, um, for the, the first track on the album, um,
0: Craving. Oh, that's great. So we we have a lot of great things coming from you for both myself and our listeners to check out. So I'll I'll be sure to include the various links to all of those things in the show notes. So for our listeners out there, just head on over to the show notes. You'll be able to find all the great resources where you can access Evan's work. So Evan, I have one last question for you. Yeah, hit me. How can we, as a society, better relate to one another?
1: Hmm. It's a question very specific to me and my appearance. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> um,
1: uh, cry more. I think. I I think we all are holding in uh, a bunch of stuff a lot of the time, um, and I think I had an acting teacher once say, "Crying makes room for something." Uh, I think allow yourself to cry more and you will then have room for people to come in more. Um, I think the tears are oftentimes there, if they're, if you're holding in tears, it's because you have some sort of block to the people, uh, outside that, that I think I'll leave it at that.
0: That is amazing. I, so, so, uh, as our listeners probably guess, I Ask that question to everyone. Sorry to sorry to disappoint you, Evan. But yeah, somehow I inferred that. But yeah. no one has ever answered has had an answer like that. I love that so much, and, and it's so important. So important. As to you, you've brought this up multiple times. I think, especially for for men who are taught, okay, you have to behave a certain way to be a true man. But really. Right. To to have a in a lot of ways a role model like yourself to be able to come out and say cry more because it opens up more room for for people I think that's a really powerful way to end the episode so Evan thank you hey. so much again for joining us hey, I appreciate it I hope I didn't come off too much like
1: sensitive boy at the end there I <laughs> I, I guess I should, I want to amend that by saying we should all cry more and not. Necessarily relegate the people who cry to a certain soft and extra sensitive side of society, that we should all just make it socially acceptable. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. Well,
0: well like right. said. Thank you so much, Evan. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for having me.
2: If you let me love you. you all the poems like Whitman you can take my thin mints. if you let me love you like I wanna I'll give you the ocean heal you like Logan if you let me love you like I wanna write you all the poems like Whitman you can take my thin mints. all I've ever wanted is to be around you darling think about it who can make you smile like a safe room when you need that hush like sound. Let your mind go quiet. All I've ever wanted is to get to know you, darling. Think about it, who can get your eye left? got better, spend with someone who can hold you. So If you let me love you like go wanna I'll give you the ocean Heal you like Logan If you let me love you like I wanna Write you all the poems like Then you can take my pen and. You make me complete Yet somehow make me feel I'm falling to pieces Get out your head, come feel nice Get out your head and you see I'm right you make me complete we